welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Matthew 4, 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. So Jesus has defeated the devil as a man, first man on the earth to defeat the devil. And soon he will defeat the devil on behalf of all mankind. But now he's the second Adam, all conquering. He's brought this kingdom. And as soon as he defeats the devil, he hears that John, and John's the link between the old and the new, mighty man John. But he's representing a shift in thinking. Here's John's been put in prison. He goes to Galilee and then leaving Nazareth, he comes and dwells in Capernaum, which is by the sea. It goes on to say that it would be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah. Isaiah looked ahead and he saw this transition between John the Baptist and Jesus. Verse 16 says, The people who have sat in darkness, they've seen a great light. They're about to unhook from an old system. The old system is that man does everything in his own strength without God. He is the supplier of his own needs, comes up with his own plans. That's the old covenant. The new covenant is the covenant of grace and favor. Hello? And mercy, where God does it for us. Where we get his plans, we, we say, God, show me what to say. Show me what to do. And by his grace, he then empowers us. It's a totally different covenant. They saw this great light. This is an amazing concept because John, who is representing the link between old and new, he's put in prison. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to put all your fallen thinking and lock them up in a prison. All your old mindsets about your limitations and about you having to struggle and make, make a success of your own life. You having to provide for yourself. You being worried and anxious about your future. Jesus came, he defeated the devil, and he took John, who's a pitcher, and locked him up in prison and said, that old mindset is now finished. Did you hear me? Some of you need to put some of your thoughts in prison and throw the key away. Not only was he put in prison, but he was beheaded. Now, John, don't misunderstand me. John's a mighty, righteous man, but he's a picture of the link between the old and new. His head was cut off. The old mindset was about to be removed and a new mindset, the mind of Christ, was about to be put on the body. Jesus is seeing this. He's a picture. It's the same in the transfiguration where Jesus, Elijah, and Moses come together. And Peter says, let's make three booths. One for Elijah, one for Moses, one for Jesus. And you know, Father wasn't really impressed with that idea. Moses represented the first five books of the Bible. Then Elijah represents Joshua through to Malachi. They all, all those books, they are all pointing towards a superior king and a superior kingdom. And Jesus, Father says to, to Peter, that ain't going to happen. And they fall on their face and Father says, this, this, this one, this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased in him, the king and his kingdom. Hear him. And when they got off the ground because they were gobsmacked, Jesus lifted them up and they looked and they could only see Jesus. Father removed the old covenant, the old system, and we were left with a king and a kingdom. 
Let me just say as a side note, when you read the Old Testament, it's there as a reference to the new. Father said, Elijah and Moses are gone. This is the one, Jesus. And you read, and I read a lot of books, a lot of teaching, and their mindset is still out of the old covenant. They come up with concepts that aren't birthed out of the new covenant. The old covenant is there to highlight what the new covenant teaches. So you read stuff about prayer and intercession and all sorts of things, and it comes out of an Old Testament mindset, and it leaves the body of Christ confused. He did away with the old, and the new has come. This old mindset has finished, and a new mindset has come. Luke 16, 16 says, The law and the prophets were until John, but since that time, since John has finished, the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone presses into it. I'm suggesting to you that a new mindset has to come upon the body of Christ, that old way of thinking. Not just the law, but all that the law represents. Self-made living. We will do it on our own. We will figure it out. We don't need you. Now, we don't say that, but that's how we live. And it says, the law and prophets existed until John. They were a tutor to bring us to Christ. They were, they were there to make us realize that we can't do it on our own. Not to keep doing it on our own, but to realize this is too hard. It doesn't work. The kingdom of darkness is not successful. It doesn't work. So we're brought to Christ. And Luke 16, 16 says, we press in now to the kingdom. So verse 17, going back to Matthew 4. The people have sat in darkness. They've seen a great light. And then that's it. Verse 17 says, and from that time, what time? That time when John died and now Jesus is on the scene. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, change your thinking, for the kingdom of God is at hand or it's come. And I want to say to you today, you need and I need to change the way we think. Because the kingdom of God has come. It is in you. And we need a function on an entirely different level to the way the world functions. We have unhooked from that system, the Babylonian system, which is me trying to take care of my own life, worry, stress, anxiety. If you've got any of those symptoms, you have hooked in to the system of Babylon. It's me working harder. But the kingdom of God is here. So now I need to understand, Lord, this is my greatest question. What does a kingdom look like? How does it function? How can I operate in it? How do I get what's in me out to change my world? Don't you want to know that? So the kingdom. Rather than give you lots of stuff to write or think about. The kingdom of God is the system of God, the government and the rule of God, the authority of God. It's the reality of God that's in Christ. Literally, it's the operation or the way God does what he does. So to live successfully in the kingdom, we've got to understand the system and how it works. Because the Bible says that God's people are supposed to be the most successful people in all the earth. Should I say that again? You say, well, where does it say that? 
I'd say, where doesn't it say that? Let me just give you one. To highlight Deuteronomy 7, verse 14. God says to his people, you will be more blessed than all the other people on the face of the earth. It's a challenge, isn't it? Because I can feel. Well, that's all right for you to say. You don't know what I know. You haven't been where I've been. You aren't going through what I'm going through. Friends, I'm just today preaching to you the mind of Christ. Not my opinions. If it's my opinions, you should have stayed at home. But if it's the mind of Christ, the will of God for you, you should listen with everything that's in you. See, God wants to use you to show the world what heaven's like. That's what an ambassador is. He's a revelation of what his nation's like. Could you imagine an ambassador in a poor country sending his kids to the school of the day? Doesn't happen. They go to private schools that speak English. They wear the nicest clothes. They represent their country well. You don't see them on the, down the market begging for food. This is a powerful kingdom and God wants us to hook into it so when people look at us, they'll say, I want what you've got. I want to come to your country. Is there any passports available? Where do I sign up? How do I get in? See, people don't, and please hear my heart, I want to be negative about countries because God loves every country. But people aren't fighting to go to Bangladesh. And I love Bangladesh. I pray for that. But you hear my heart. I'm not putting them down. I'm saying where there's poverty and where there's oppression, people don't line up. See, they're not people getting on boats, fighting their way into Bangladesh. They're coming to Australia, to Europe, to America because of what we have to offer. And when the kingdom of God is expressed as it should be, it will be the greatest advertisement on the planet. They'll say, I want what that church has. I want what they... There's something about those people. Whatever they touch, they prosper in. Their families, their marriages, their health. There's something about these people. They are kingdom people. And I want what you've got. But the world's been wiser in understanding how their system works than us. So the average Christian has no idea about the kingdom and how it operates. They're just trying to get by, being good people, getting a good job, not causing too much chaos. But ask them about the kingdom and how does the kingdom look? How do angels get involved in the kingdom? What do you need to do? What's your part? What are the keys of the kingdom? They've got no idea. Ask the average crook how to operate in his system. Well, he can give you some clues and tips. You know, dodge this one, short circuit here, do that one, deceive here. They know every trick of the trade. But the people of this world, see, the people of the, this world are more shrewd than the people of the kingdom. And it's sad to say because Psalm 103.19 says... The Lord has established his throne over all of heaven, in heaven, sorry, and his kingdom rules over every kingdom. So it's established in heaven, his throne, and his kingdom rules over every kingdom. 
So what you have in you is the kingdom of God, and that kingdom is superior to every mindset, concept, every thought pattern, everything that's in this world. You can't help but win if we discover what's within us and how to unlock it. Jesus is praying up on the mountain. He sent his disciples on a boat to go to the other side. They're going to retake some territory. The kingdom is expanding. The sick are about to be healed. And he's praying on the mountain, getting the mind of God. God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to say? And he comes walking on the water, looking for children to walk with him. But the church has been satisfied surviving and worshipping in the boat. See, your primary calling, your mandate in life is not to worship. The mandate in Genesis was to have dominion. Worship's about relationship. We love worship. Don't misunderstand me. Worship's powerful. But your mandate, your assignment on earth is not worship. Your assignment on earth is to take dominion. You can't change the world just sitting in the boat. You've got to walk in water. And Jesus came looking for people that actually believed that they could make a difference in society. They could take the kingdom and release it. Worship all day in the boat and it's powerful. But there comes a time where you've got to release the kingdom of God within you. Please don't misunderstand that concept. Jesus comes walking on the water and they're troubled. You know the story, they think he's a ghost. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit say the image of Jesus as the victorious one has troubled the church since that day. The image of Jesus as powerful, rich, prosperous, victorious, all-conquering, it does the heading of the church. They can't get hold of this concept of a water-walking Jesus who is all-powerful, who wants to take control over the systems of this world. Why do I say that? Because we keep allowing the world to push us into a box called insignificance. Stay out of government, stay out of politics, stay out of this. There's no place for the kingdom of God mindset in this community. And I'm a little bit over that. We need to release the kingdom wisdom and mindset. This world desperately needs the wisdom that comes from the kingdom. Jesus is a water walker. Be careful how to say that one. He is. He is victorious. And so when the church sees him, they are repelled by a Jesus that takes dominion. Why do I say So many Christians, they don't see themselves as dominion people. This dominion mandate has been suppressed by the church. Who do you think you are? This world's just going to get worse and worse. Prayer should elevate me to such a level that I believe that I'm a water walker as well. If you're not changing your mindset when you pray, if you're not coming out of your prayer closet, more convinced than ever that you are the answer to society, that God wants to bless you and prosper you, you're like the Pharisees. Jesus said, vain repetitions. You pray all day and all night. You may as well stay asleep. You're just kidding yourself because it's the renewed mind that prays the mind of Christ that releases heaven. You're not heard by the length of your prayers. You're heard by the faith that's in your heart. 
Luke's 12, 31 says, Seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do not fear, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Should I say that again? Did you get that? Seek the kingdom and all these things. See, if you have a kingdom mind, if your focus today is, I am going to discover this kingdom thing. I'm going to work out how it, I'm going to seek God to reveal to me the kingdom. He says, if you do that, if that's the first priority of your life, I will add to you. And when God adds, go and study what happens when God adds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. When God adds, all these things will be added. I know what you need. And you know what? What you think you need, God can upsize. All these things will be added. It is your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. He says, wait, who can I give the kingdom to today? Who will believe? See, I think the Father's just looking for someone who believes that God could prosper them so much that they could change the face of this city. See, I, I, sometimes I believe, maybe naive, but I believe that I'm the only one in Melbourne that's saying to Father, show me what is on your heart for this city. And if nothing else, I will say, I can believe that you could do that. No, no, I'm not the only one. That's the Elijah complex. But you should be like that too. Father, show me. It's your good pleasure to give me the kingdom. If no one else is in, I'm in. Let's do this together. Matthew 16, 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, this is a good prayer one. Is it? Whatever you bind on earth, We'll be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Keys represent access, authority. Who's got the keys? I've got the keys to my car. It's access, authority, power, rights, freedom. Dad, I want the keys to the car. I need some freedom. Heaven's resources are released to people that have keys. And you notice it doesn't say, I will give you the key of the kingdom, but keys. See, Every believer gets the key to the front door when he gets saved. Welcome to daddy's house. But here's the issue. There's a key to the kitchen that gives you food and sustenance. There's a key to the medicine cabinet that gives you keys of healing. There's a key to the safe that gives you money and riches. There's the key to the bedroom that gives you rest and intimacy. There are keys. Whatever you, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. If you want, I'll show you how to make money. I'll show you how to live in health. I'll show you how to do family well. I've got keys for every room that you need. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm going to give you revelation. I'm going to give you keys. And we thought it was, I'm not saying it's not about this, but we thought it was primarily about yelling at the devil. I bind you, devil. But I'm going to give you revelation that's going to unlock rooms in your life. See, the devil's not your problem. The issue is how do I access the vast array of the kingdom that's within me? You're in daddy's house. 
You just don't have keys. See, God's people perish for lack of keys, knowledge. Hmm, I know. I thought that when I wrote it. So if you don't use the keys, you'll die saved but sick, broke, distressed, anxious, and all because you didn't have keys. Every good Christian should, you know those, you know those people that walk around with a keychain on the side of their, you know, and with 400 keys, you hear them clunking down. Every good Christian should have one of those. Keys, access to doors. See, I know that God's given me keys to certain areas, but I want more. There's so many areas. And it's not just one key. All right, you've got the key of finance, and that's, that's all you get. Now, I will give you, Peter, the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you open up on earth, you find the key on earth, and I'll release it in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, if you lock that, you lock poverty, I'll lock it over your life on earth. See, it's up to you. You open and you shut. When you discover, it, it releases heaven. Are you hearing me? Yes. Kingdom has a new mindset. I spoke to you the other week from Matthew 12, 22. Jesus heals the man that's blind and mute, Matthew 12, 22. And as soon as he did that, the people said, could this be the son of David? When you read that term, son of David, it's very powerful because they are thinking king and kingdom. Yeah. Matthew's big on that. Behold the king. Jesus heals a man that's blind and mute. People say, this is, this, is, this is the king of David, the son of David. The Pharisee says, no, he belongs to the fallen system. Jesus rebukes that generation because they're hard-hearted and they refuse to believe that the king is right, has come. And then he goes on to say that if you cast out a demon in a man, the demon leaves, goes over dry places and comes back. And if that man hasn't changed, is if the house isn't occupied, he comes back seven times stronger. And remember I said that when we encounter God, so Finney and Izzy are coming, when we encounter the Holy Spirit, when you sit here today and hear words of revelation, right? If something doesn't shift inside your thinking, your last state is worse than your former. Greater strongholds arise, more doubt to he who has not, if he doesn't use what he has, even that will be taken from him. And that's why it's imperative for us in this season to value what God is saying. So when you come to church, not sit there scratching your bottom, but to connect with God and say, Father, give me the keys. Because if you sit here and you fall asleep, and you're rebellious, or whatever it is, my friend, this is what the Bible says, that if you don't embrace the move of God, your thinking will become damaged, and strongholds will be built there. Yeah, yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Spiritual warfare is more than, it's more really, it's all about our mindset. And this is what I'm trying to focus on today. It's about renewing our mind. Jesus said he healed the blind man and the man that, that was mute. The way we see, the way we think, and what we speak. He's trying to adjust that. He's trying to change that. He's coming to us today and saying, I want you to start speaking like a king over your life. 
I'm going to talk in a few weeks about kingdom language. But kingdom language is always now. I will one day be rich. No, you won't. You'll never be rich. Why? Because it's one day. Kingdom language is now. Before Abraham was, I am. God works in the eternal now. Anyway, that's another story. The way we think and what we see, what we speak. So I said spiritual warfare is, is primarily about changing the way I think. We're so conscious that the lack in my life is because the devil is robbing me. And he is, but he's robbing you in a way that you don't understand. He's robbing you because he has control of your thoughts. It's not so much a demonic attack, as in demons coming, fighting you from outside. It's an attack from within. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So we and, and understand there's whenever the truth is two sides. I'm not denying the power of demons, territorial spirits. I'm not denying that. But your primary battle isn't with that. Your primary battle is with unrenewed thoughts. We wrestle against prince and, and Miles Munro said about the word principalities, it's broken into two words, prince and principles, or prince is the first, or the first principles, or your original thoughts. We are wrestling to, and what the enemy wants to do is come and, and set up a fortress around the original thoughts in your life. So principalities, yes, they are spiritual beings, but principalities are also the original thoughts that you have in your mind that the enemy wants to hold and God wants to shatter. Against principalities, and then it says powers. I looked up this word power, and it means permission, authority, power to do something. So when you hold on to your original thought, it gives the devil power to do something in your life. And Paul's saying that's the greatest wrestle, to release these thoughts that we have that are empowering the devil over our life. Do you know... The number one reason why the church is poor, because it's held the original thought that poverty was of God. And it's filled it all down. And so when I go other places and I preach on prosperity and breakthrough in money, there is a wall of resistance. People sit there. Why? Because they, they have given the enemy a stronghold in their life and they have no concept that God could ever prosper them. And it's one of the greatest demonic battles that I face as a preacher is shattering the mindset of poverty. It's a curse. Show me in the Bible where it's not the Bible. Show me in the Bible where poverty is of God. It's not. Principal thought. We give the power of devil because we have established in our mind a concept about the kingdom that is utterly false. And you've empowered the devil. So you can pray all night. Binding the devil over the lack of money in your life. But until you change the way you think, your prayers are pointless. Jesus said to the Pharisees, vain repetitions. You pray because you think you're going to be... He's saying, don't bother. Get in the secret place. Get the mind of God. God said, I'll see you in that secret place and I'm going to reward you openly. That secret place is a place where I begin to capture the heart of God. God, what is it that you're saying about my state? 
Get the Bible out and begin to proclaim what God says to be true, not what your circumstances or your family, your DNA, your history says to be true. And even in this place, there are strongholds of poverty that have stricken God's people. It's a mindset. And Jesus says, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. And you've got to press into it because my greatest passion is to see God's people become victorious. I hate, I hate debt and poverty and limitations. I hate it on the body of Christ. The kingdom of God mindset is based out of our spirit, not our flesh. See, the carnal mind, and some of you have had carnal thoughts today, it will try to keep you from the results that the kingdom will offer. See, this is all about the spirit. Your reasoning is coming up with all the reasons why what Andrew says can't be true. Romans 8 says that, and what it's saying is that when you start thinking about the power of the kingdom, your carnal mind is going to fight it. It says that the carnal mind is at war with God. So I'm telling you, God wants to bless you. He wants you healthy. He wants your marriage great. He wants this. He wants that. And your carnal mind is saying, I don't agree. I don't believe. He doesn't understand. Boom, boom. There's a war that is going on inside your head. Romans says this. It's fighting the gospel of the kingdom because the kingdom is so extreme. It leaves nothing to chance. Listen, it says, no evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling. It says a thousand will fall on one side and 10,000 on the other, but you will be the exception and not the rule. That's extreme, isn't it? Have I got that yet? Not yet, but this is what I'm pressing into. It's the kingdom. It's superior to every other kingdom. Church, you are the exception in your workplace. You're the exception in your family. Everyone in your family may have divorced, but you're the exception. Now, if you've divorced, it's okay. God's still got a plan for your life. But you hear what I'm saying? God wants you to be the exception. The carnal man looks at these scriptures and says, my experience in the world says that's not true. It builds unbelief. And that's what I battle against. My experience says what I have read doesn't work, hasn't, hasn't happened. And so it stops me from believing. My mind is fighting against this kingdom. And the kingdom is trying to get me into a hundredfold. But my mind's saying, no, 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 no. It doesn't believe. See, what we have to do is renew our mind purposefully to the kingdom. Or else you're going to be up against the kingdom that's designed to make you successful. Did you hear that? Unless you renew your mind to the kingdom, you're going to be working against a system inside you that's trying to make you a success. Your spirit is big. It's made in the image of God. God is so big, so great, so powerful. Your flesh, not too good. And Paul says... You're walking like mere men. You're behaving like carnal, mere men. You've come down to the level of natural man. 
What would Paul say today if he looked at you and I? Would he say, kingdom people, or you're behaving like mere men? You're trying to do it on your own. Yes, you think you're successful, but you know what? It's all man-made. There's nothing about your life or little that could say, that was God. That was a miracle. God is great. Paul says you're acting like mere men. And I think one of the problems is the church in general has been preaching a gospel that's acceptable to the flesh, but not to the spirit. It's preaching a gospel that, that doesn't stretch. And as soon as somebody pops his head up and says, I believe God wants more, the world smacks it and the church retreats back to a gospel that gets you saved and into heaven and no more. But the kingdom of God is at hand. Matthew 4, 17. Change the way you think because the kingdom of God has come to you. Change the way you think. Change the way you think. Change the way you think. What are you thinking? He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ask or think according to the kingdom of God, the power that's within me. He's saying, you've got it all in you. I'm able to do. He's saying, as far as you could ask or imagine, I've been there and beyond. Your greatest thoughts, your greatest requests, I've been way beyond that. And there's a power in you that you can unlock by what you say and think. It's kingdom. It's powerful. Isn't that exciting? Think big. Say that with me. Think big. Think big. The kingdom of God demands that you think big. And I wrote here because it's designed to discover the hidden, to do the impossible and change the unchangeable. It demands we think big. The kingdom has no limitations. And to operate in the kingdom, you can't think in terms of your limitations. How many of you say, oh, I can't do that, you don't understand, I'm not capable, I don't have the money, I don't have this, I don't that. Children of Israel frustrated God, they limited the Holy One of Israel. If you're going to operate in the kingdom, you're going to have to think big. I asked God for two signs, because I was thinking big. And I don't always do this, but... I guess I was in a place where I needed some reassurance from the Holy Spirit, a cattle. And so I said, God, I want two signs that, again, I'm not going crazy and that you're in this. I was believing for something big. still am. He gave me one sign and he gave me a second sign. And this is how God spoke to me. I was listening to a pastor, Mensah Otterbill. He's an African, dynamic, pastor, prophetic leader. And uh, I had him on, I was listening on my computer, laying on the couch. We didn't lay on the couch, on the sense of the computer, fall asleep. And uh, it was an amazing sermon. He's preaching away, I fall asleep. And I wake like that. And he's preaching and he says these words. Someone must fight this battle. And somebody must win it. You will fight this battle and you will win it. 
So don't think small thoughts. Think big. See the big picture. I stopped the computer. I wound it back and listened again. It was like God woke me up at that instant. He doesn't, that's the, the phrase of the sermon. You're going to have to think big. God's looking for someone who thinks, I can do it. Give it to me. I can, I've got these dreams. Now, Joseph was like that for 14 years in the prison, thinking big, thinking big. Don't believe that he got before Pharaoh and it never crossed his mind that he could be used by God to change the whole nation and the world. Do you think that just jumped up on him? He'd always had it in his heart. God was preparing him. Don't let your circumstance, don't let people's opinion, well, if you were such a big dreamer, you wouldn't be there. Don't let that stop you. They can't see what God's doing inside you. They don't see the greatness. If you could only see inside me, I'm bigger on the inside, thank God, than the outside. Don't let them stop you. Don't let yourself stop you. Well, you're not a big dreamer. You've never achieved anything. My friend, it's growing and growing and growing. And one day it will bear great fruit. For the kingdom of God is within you. Don't think small thoughts. God's thoughts are way higher than our thoughts. Isaiah 55, 9. Thank God for that. He's thinking on levels that we've never contemplated before. And if I'm going to think like God, then I've got to get his word inside me because my thoughts are too small, too narrow, too confined, too infiltrated by the world and by my family and all these things. I've got to get rid of all that. Jesus said, who is my mother, my brother, my sister? Because they were saying, Jesus, your brother and your mother's here. He's saying, you know what? Some of you need to get rid of your natural family thinking. Not, he's not saying family is not important, but he's saying that your family in heaven, the way your father thinks, should dominate every thought. If your mother, your father, if their limitations are binding you, you need to say, Father, I want to be defined by you and you alone. Look into the mirror until you see what he sees when he sees you. Think about this. His limitless thoughts, our limited thoughts. I've got just a couple of categories, but you, you could go right through them all. Finance. We thought a little bit more than enough. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, I've got $3 left. <laughs> Paid all my bills. God's thinking excessive. More than enough. 2 Corinthians 9.8. Listen to the words. All grace abound, abundance for every good work, enriched in everything. We're talking about God here. Not you. Not you being abundant, but God. When he says abundant, think about it. He made the earth. He made everything. And he's saying, I want to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or think. I've got so much. I just want to shower you with blessing. This is new covenant. Paul said this. He became poor for your sake so you could become rich. Uh, that's spiritually speaking. Well, if it is, which it's not, but even if it is, when you get something spiritual in you, it will have a manifestation. Yeah. I get a little bit cranky. I know it's hard to believe. With some Christians that say, well, you know, caring for prosperity, well, it's not about money. It's just about the heart. Oh, puke. You know, it's like, <laughs> really? Show me a man with a prosperous heart, he'll have prosperity around him. It's like saying you can plant a lemon tree and don't expect any lemons. It's like, really? Where do we buy such rubbish? 
Ah, oh, but I'm surprised he's got a good heart. He's prosperous. Oh, please. Oh, imagine if Adam, uh, Abraham had have said that. I'm the most blessed man in the world, but it's all in my heart. <laughs> well, why did the nations envy Isaac? Because he had a good heart. We thought middle class, God's thinking rich. The blessing of the Lord makes one middle class and adds no sorrow. The blessing of the Lord makes what? One rich and adds no sorrow. I know for some of you thinking, oh, I just would settle for middle class. That's the problem. I could never imagine being rich. Well, that's the problem. You can't imagine. I know. He says, I'll make you above and not beneath. Above means the top and not beneath. I became poor for your sake. So through my poverty, you would be rich. Look up the Greek word for rich. It means rich. I'm sorry, but he says, as he is today, so are you in the world. And heaven is not made out of concrete. Healing. We thought we'd be happy for some healed. God's thinking everyone healed. Jesus goes to a place and he says, and they were all healed. That's the goal. That's, now, I know we're not there yet, but this is kingdom thinking. It's not being satisfied. Well, one out of three is not bad. Jesus said all were healed. That's the, that's the, that's the watermark. We thought, well, you've got to get sick. I've had a good run. I've only been sick once. Jesus is saying sickness will never touch your body. No plague will come near your dwelling place. That's got to be the benchmark. I love Kenneth Copeland. I don't really care if you love him or not. But he's a man who says, you know what? I've been healthy for whatever it is, 40, 50 years. He's still going strong in his 70s, preaching the gospel. No plague will come near my dwelling place. Give me more Kenneth Copelands who will believe the kingdom of God is at hand. High watermark. Victory. We thought partial victory in some of the time, some areas. God's thinking victory all the time, in every area, at all occasions, for everyone who wants it. Did he? He says, thanks be to God who always, sometimes, leads us occasionally in triumph, sometimes. He said, Paul says, thanks be to God who always leads me in triumph, in Christ, victorious. What is it you're saying to your kids? Well, don't aim too high. You don't want bad expectations. You don't want to be disappointed. Aim for the sky. Be a world changer. It's never too late to have a happy life, to dream big. See, limited thinking comes from the concept that you've only got access to your power. Limitless thinking comes from the concept that I've got access to God's power. It's not about me. If you knew how ordinary I was, you'd be shocked. <laughs> Our faith is supposed to be, I know this is a shock, but supposed to be in the power of God. Let me just, let me just tell you about this word power, doing this. His might, his strength, his miracle ability, his power to perform miracles. His ability to perform anything, his power to work, to carry something into effect, 
the works of a supernatural origin, such that could never be produced by natural people or means. That power is in you, baby. So somebody today has got to begin to think big. Moses thought big. God said, I only take all those people. 400 years, you think you've got problems. 400 years in negative thinking. You're going to take those people, you're going to cross a Red Sea that can't be crossed. Chased by Philistines, Egyptians with tomahawks and machine guns. They're going to come bearing down on you. The people are going to rebel, but it's going to be okay. You're going to pick up a stick and somehow the river, the sea is going to part. You're going to take them through. And he said, yes. He stuttered. He was living in the wilderness, but he began to think big. You know what, God? I believe you could do that. Joshua, who followed in this man's footsteps, God said, you're going to take these same rebellious people. You're going to crush the Jordan, supernatural act. You're going to come against Jericho. The walls are so fortified that you could drive around them on a chariot. They were massive. You're going to walk around them. Somehow they're going to fall down just because you sing really bad. And, and you're going to go in and take the promised land. And he said, you know what? I believe we can do that. And over and over we see the Old Testament people thinking big because of the power of God that was with them. And you today, the greatest in the Old Testament was John. And God said, he is, he is the stepping stone. So all the Old Testament, Moses, David, think of all the great ones, Elijah. John is head and shoulders above them all. And John is the man that we stand on his head and we step into our future. So all the Old Testament is to inspire you to the very base of what the most ordinary Christian could hope for. So think big. We're going to talk about the kingdom for the next number of weeks. And I'm starting just with this concept that as we walk into it, you are going to have to adjust your thinking. You're going to have to change the way you think. Don't just sit there and say, well, it's not for me. If you're born again... The kingdom of God is within you.